as I already said during the connection time, um, we are starting a new series, and it's called Just One More Thing. And so to kick off the series, we just want to say one more thing, especially to people who are going through those times of accomplishment and study and looking to the new day. And as much as this is a message for grads, I think it's a message for all of us, because in a sense, every day we're graduating into new opportunities and new possibilities. So with that in mind, we want to welcome Jen Rousler, our next-gen pastor, is going to bring the message. Thanks, Dave. There's never enough space to put the Bible up here, too, but I need it. I'm going to lay right there. Well, good evening, everybody. I hope you're all doing good. Hi, middle school boys that are waving at me. <laughs> um, so as Dave has mentioned, um, tonight we're going to say just one more thing to grads. And I'm glad, actually, that Pastor Dave mentioned who that person is, because I had no idea. And I said, why is there such an old guy on a slide about grads? <laughs> he's like, he's, let's see, he's a little far beyond the, the mean age of most of, like, you know, the graduates that I would be talking to this weekend. But now I kind of understand it's a older person's inside joke type thing. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, no problem. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm little. Um, anyway, this time of year is really exciting. Um, I'm sure all of you are getting ready for summer, getting vacation plans together. Um, I know at, at the church, um, within the staff, we're talking about who's going to be gone when and where travels may take us, and it's just a really exciting time of year. Um, some of you have cottages that you're going to be off to, um, travel plans. Some of you have to work summer jobs, which I'm sorry, but it's kind of a reality. Um, and of course, it's going to get warmer, we hope. Um, this weekend doesn't feel very summerish, but it's coming, and I'm really excited about the warmth of summer. For the grade 12 students that are here that are graduating from high school, you guys are extra excited this time of year because you're done. You're finished with 13 years of the public education system. I mean, that's just, that's huge. You're done, you're finished, you're at the end. And now it's time to get ready to party, right? Graduations are coming up, proms are coming, time to get the dresses going and the tuxedos. It's time to have fun and to celebrate. And for people that are done college or university, um, you guys have been finished, I think, a little bit longer, probably about a month or so. And you've had at least four more years of work, papers, exams, all-nighters, and too much coffee. And it's all come down to this. You're finished, and it's time to celebrate. And some grads um, are already adults, and maybe you've completed some sort of course or certification or something like that. And that feels really good, too, because you have another accomplishment under your belt to further your work life or maybe your hobby or just something extra in your life that you've now achieved and accomplished. Finishing any sort of a learning process, whether it's high school, whether it's university college, whether it's a certification course, it's a cause for celebration. And we want to take this time of year, um, every year, to say, way to go and good job, and it's great that you've made this great accomplishment. But you know, this time of year just isn't one for excitement and celebration for graduates. It can be a time of anxiety as well. I'm sure uh, some of the graduate stomachs may turn when they hear things like, so what are your plans now? So what are you doing next year? Um, so do you have a job yet? <laughs> what comes next? What comes next? That can really be daunting, can't it? And I can say as somebody that only graduated two years ago, actually, from a master's degree, that can be a very daunting statement. 
And as I was getting closer and closer to graduation and people said, so what comes next? And my answer is, um, I don't really know yet. <laughs> that can be a little stressful. You have these visions of finishing high school and not going to the university you wanted to or finishing university and, you know, working at Tim Hortons for the next three or four years. And you're like, did I really go to university to do this? <laughs> it can be a little bit, it can be a little bit stressful. You just, you're not sure what's coming. I think that most students, when you're studying, you have an end goal in mind. You have a way that you'd like to lead others, maybe somebody that you want to be like as you continue through life, or a job that you want to eventually have. Um, students do better in life when they're learning under a great teacher. And students don't do so well when they have a crummy teacher. I'm sure that that kind of makes sense. If you have an awesome teacher with you, um, they're going to prepare their students to lead and to do well. In Luke chapter 6, verse 40, it says this, the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. My hope for all of the graduates here is that your teachers or whoever kind of guided you or led you along these years have gotten you ready to lead. Leaders are people who are successful and who accomplish their dreams. I would venture to say that the aspiration of all students is to succeed in the area that you've studied in. So today, I want to share with all of the graduates, and not just with them, but really with everyone here, because I think we're all learning throughout this journey of life, but especially for the graduates, I want to share some leadership lessons from the Bible. And the lessons I want to share, um, it comes from the story of a student and a teacher in the Bible, and their names are Elisha and Elijah. Um, so if you have your uh, smartphone devices or a tablet and you want to check out uh, the sermon outline, it's on the app under the live events. Um, or if you're a little more old school and you have your Bible and the paper outline, that will work as well. And you can follow along uh, with me as we work through this message together. So there's three lessons from the story of Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha, the one that comes after, that I want to share with you tonight. And the first one is this. All great leaders started as students. So for all of you grads out there, you're already on your way to becoming a great leader because you've been a student. So good job, you're already on your way. So in the book of 1 Kings in the Old Testament, we learn about the prophet Elijah. And a lot of you probably have heard about this guy before. He's pretty well known for taking down the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And he even uh, prayed rain down during a drought. Um, he was an incredible man of God. He was one of the most well-known prophets in the Old Testament. In 1 Kings chapter 18, he visits a man named Elisha, which sometimes, I know when I was a kid, I got those people mixed up. They are two different people. So Elijah meets a man named Elisha, and he does something a bit kind of funny to seem to us. He walks over to Elisha and puts his cloak over him. Um, so in this day, this was a sign that Elijah wanted Elisha to follow him and to become his student, to become his understudy. Knowing who this was, Elisha was like, wow, this is a huge honor. So he went and he got his affairs in order and he left his family to follow Elijah and to learn from him. So the first smart move that Elisha made in the process of his leadership development was to become the student of Elijah. Because, as I said, all great leaders start as great students. And I actually, um, as I was preparing this message, I had a thought about my own family. So Ruth, if you want to put up the slide of my brother... He doesn't know this is happening. This is my brother, Jonathan. Isn't he cute? He's just my little brother. He's great. This is all of his tubas 
and his trombone. Um, my brother has been a great student for a long time. Um, my father and my brother, my whole family, is greatly involved in Salvation Army music. And when my dad was a child and growing up, he had a dream to have um, brass band music published in the Salvation Army world. Um, but my dad didn't really have a great teacher uh, in his church growing up to really kind of guide him and train him. So he got older, he turned into an adult, and he was kind of later starting his, you know, learning stuff. And so he got his first piece published worldwide by the Salvation Army when he was 44 years old. Now my brother grew up in my house, and my dad was in the house, and uh, my brother got his first piece published in, in the Salvation Army worldwide at 22. So he was literally half the age of my dad. And dad kind of chuckles about it, but my brother, um, my dad has his bachelor's in music and music education and taught. My brother is currently working on his doctorate in music performance and composition. So he's just like, you know, Dr. Jonathan Rousel, crazy music guy. Um, and he's turning into this really great leader in the music world, both within church circles and also in the more public, like just general music world. Um, but if my brother hadn't capitalized on his time with my dad and the other leaders he had around him growing up, he never would be doing what he's doing today. He would never have those string of tubas and doing what he loves so much. Um, and you know, along the way, Jonathan has met, um, I'm not gonna say names because that wouldn't be nice, but Jonathan has met other students who didn't have quite the learning spirit that my brother had. And to be completely honest, they're, they're not getting as far and growing as much in their leadership as Jonathan has. Um, honestly, they kind of suck at what they do. Um, and it's, the reason why is because they have refused to learn from others. They've refused to be humble and to sit underneath somebody and, and learn from them and to continue to grow. So in order to become a great leader, you have to be a great student first. You have to be humble and, and be willing to accept the teaching of others in order to grow. And I really think that's why Jonathan has gotten where he has. Now back to our story in the Bible, if Elisha, when Elijah came along, just kind of brushed him off and said, you know, you're a little bit weird and like, you know, you're kind of over the top, like I'm not sure if I really want to follow you. If he refused to follow Elijah around and learn from him, he never would have turned into the great leader that God made him. It took humility and a learning spirit for Elisha to develop his faith to the place that God could use him. So that's why I truly believe that anyone who's a great leader, if you read back into their story, they started as great students. The second leadership learn is all great leaders experience seasons of doubt. And we can really see this in Elisha's life in 2 Kings chapter 2. So in 2 Kings chapter 2, Elisha essentially graduates like our grads are, are doing this time of year. He's no longer a student. His teacher, Elijah, is literally taken away from him in the big chariot of fire. It's really dramatic. If you haven't read it before, um, 2 Kings chapter 2, read it. It's really, it's really just dramatic. Um, now, you think after all that Elisha has seen and learned, he'd be a really great leader right out of the box. Elijah would leave, and Elisha would be like, all right, I got this. Let's just go. Um, but no, he actually starts off doubting himself. Um, in verses 3 and 5 in this chapter, um, different people remind Elisha, you know that your teacher is going to be leaving soon, right? And Elisha actually tells them to be quiet, to, to not talk about it. It's like Elisha's in denial that Elijah's even ever going to leave and this is ever going to happen. Has anyone here that has been in school before ever been in denial that school's about to end and it's time to move on, that certain security blankets are just going to go away and like it or not, it's time to go on to the next thing. 
In verse 12, Elijah does get taken away, and Elisha tears his clothes in distress. Now, I don't know if anyone here has torn their clothes in distress over the future, but I know that I have felt that way sometimes, because it can be really scary looking into the future, that moment when the security you had in the past is just taken away. And this next part in Elisha's story, I think, is absolutely hilarious, and it happens in 2 Kings 2, verse 14. So after Elijah gets taken away and Elisha's like torn his clothes, he's all stressed out. Um, Elisha goes to leave and he strikes the water with Elijah's cloak, just like Elijah did earlier. And the waters part again, just like it did for Elijah. Now at the same moment this is happening, so just as Elisha is hitting the water and the water is spreading, Elisha says, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? That cracks me up. I'm pretty sure God just parted the water for you to walk across. Like, I'm not sure how much clear of a symbol you want that God is with you. I can't even understand how Elisha could be doubting when God is so obviously present in that exact moment of his life. But you know, all great leaders doubt. And I think if, if we never have seasons of doubt, I would question, you know, if you've really thought through the ramifications of your life and, and all that's going on. Um, just a few months ago, I finished uh, the biography of the late Steve Jobs, which it's very sad to hear. As an Apple fan, I grieved when Steve Jobs passed away. But in reading his biography, it was really interesting to read about all the doubts that he had of all of the different products he released. Um, every time there was a new iPhone or the iPad was coming out, he would get his team to make um, different clay like plastic models that you could pick up. So there would be like eight or nine different versions of the iPhone and he would go around and he would actually tell all of his workers how terrible each of them were until he got to the one he thought he liked. So even somebody like Steve Jobs would doubt whether or not he would maybe think he had this great invention made and then go home and sleep on it and wake up and be like, that's the worst idea ever, we're not doing that. So even people of that caliber of leadership have doubts. Um, I can only imagine, um, you know, the leaders of our countries and President Obama and all of this gun law stuff that's been up recently. I mean, no matter what way he goes with that, he's going to have people coming back at him angry. And so doubting whether or not the right decisions are being made, it has to be a real thing. And even to take it a little bit more to the local level, when you think of leaders even within this church, I think about Pastor Dave. If he has a hard call to make, there has to be some doubts in there sometime. Is, is this the right thing? Should we be doing this? Um, what if, you know, something crazy happens? The thing is, it's possible that a lot of the graduates here as well, you're doubting your future. Maybe you have doubts about your environment. I mean, what jobs are available in Moncton right now? Are you going to have to maybe move to find the job you want? And where's that going to be? Or maybe you're doubting your circumstances right now. Do you have the money to move if you need to move to start a new job? Do you have the right connections in your field to get the job that you want? Um, are, did, you get, did you make the right decision of what university you're going to go to if you're graduating? Or maybe you decide to take a year off. Was, was that a good decision? Or you can even have doubts in yourself. Maybe you can wonder, and I know there are some high school students here actually studying tonight. Um, you can be wondering, did you study enough for those exams? Are, are you good at, at what you do? Can you achieve what your dreams are in terms of your future career and goals? Are you going to interview well when that time comes and you have to go into an interview with a possible employer? You know, all of these doubts are normal. Um, as we try new things and as we have new experiences, our doubts will begin to wane as we get more confident in our abilities and in who God has created us to be. 
It's going to mean stepping out in faith and remembering your past and what you have learned and developing a boldness that the God who was there before you is there now. And I can say for myself, all of those doubts I talked about, your environment, your circumstances, doubting in yourself, they have all been part of my story too. And I'm sure if you ask other um, leaders or people that are older than you here about doubts they've had in their life in terms of um, graduating from school and then finding their first job and finding their career path, I think everyone in in this room would have doubts. But part of developing as a leader is to acknowledge those doubts and to press on beyond them and to trust in where God wants you to be in the future. So all great leaders experience seasons of doubt. The third lesson um, from this story of Elijah and Elisha is that the greatest leaders look to God. In 2 Kings 2, when you're reading about all of this Elisha doubting and having problems, um, you can kind of wonder if he's going to be able to hold himself together. But the next few chapters in Second Kings have some incredible stories in them. A little bit later in uh, chapter 2, Elisha purifies city water that was polluted. He puts some salt in it and just makes it all better, and people no longer get sick from it. That's kind of incredible. Um, at the end of chapter 2, I, actually Brent and I joked about this as we were preparing this message, um, There's kind of like this really crazy story, but I said, you know what, I'm going to include it, especially for the middle schoolers that are here, because it really um, is just kind of funny in light of our uh, Facing Goliath bullying series that we just finished in middle school youth. But Elisha was walking along, and there were some guys calling him baldy. They were like making fun of him and stuff. And so Elisha like prays to God, and apparently these bears come out of the woods and just eat them. (laughs) And I was like, cool, like I bet the middle schoolers would love that story. Like if you're getting bullied at school, just pray, and some bears will come and eat them. Maybe not, but it's in the Bible, like it happened. I thought that, you know, that was pretty cool, but for Elisha to go from this time of doubting God to then being able to pray for something like this to happen, I thought was pretty impressive. Um, In chapter 3 in 2 Kings, um, he prophesied to the kings of Israel, Judah, and Edom, so these three really big kings, and he didn't just like go up and ask to prophesy to them, they actually sought him out and asked to consult with him. In chapter 4 in 2 Kings, Elisha prophesied to a woman who was kind to him, um, and she couldn't have children, but Elisha told her that she would bear a son, and then she actually did within that year. And then a little bit later in this chapter, um, the boy got sick and he died, but Elisha, um, you know, trusted in God and prayed over this, this boy, and he actually came back to life again. I could keep going on and on about all of these stories um, within the first couple of chapters of 2 Kings where... Um, Elisha is just growing in his leadership and God is using him more and more to do bigger and better things. Some would even argue that he even did greater things than his teacher Elijah did. In chapter 5 verse 20, Elisha is referred to as the man of God. It's crazy that Elisha went from this kid who Elijah took under his wing to a guy who doubted in God in the middle of a miracle to a man who had now done so much that he is referred to as the man of God. Some say he was even greater than his teacher. Now, the reason that Elisha was so great, it wasn't just because he was this awesome guy and like he had the right connections and he was living in the right environment at the time. The reason that Elisha was so great was because he looked to God. It wasn't really Elisha doing all of these things and leading all of this stuff. It very clearly was the power of God. Elisha, in some ways, actually, in the main way, he remained a student his whole life. He remained God's understudy. Without him, Elisha would never have been 
where he ended up being. I look around today at all the godly leaders I know, and I would say the same thing. The greatest leaders lead out of the strength that they find in Christ. So to all of the grads that are here this evening, I want to say this. A season of official learning has now come to an end in your life. That is a huge accomplishment, and you should celebrate and have fun and be excited that this season of study has come to an end. But learning never actually ends. The moment you think it has, your growth as a leader is over. So I want to challenge you to continue to always be a student. Learn from those that are ahead of you. Read books, explore, discover, try new things, and don't ever, ever lose sight of Jesus. Elisha did great things through God's power. And you know what? You can too. Keep your eyes on the world beyond the one that we're in now. Because the world that we're in now isn't going to be here forever. And a hundred years from now, it won't matter how many uh, letters are after your name. Because none of us are going to be here. We'll all be gone into the next world. And so I want to encourage you as you grow and continue in your life, you continue to learn that you keep your eyes focused on Jesus who will carry you from this world into the next. Now at this time, um, I'd like to throw the sermon wrap-up over to Pastor Dave at the Allison campus.